All right. So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, I hope that you have had some time over the past week to take some time to stop and think and reflect and to, to think back at how things have gone in 2016. Uh, and where you hope to go in 2017. Uh, and I don't mean necessarily go physically. Um, I mean spiritually. I mean, my desire, my prayer would be is that every single person in this room, that we make 2017 the year that we are going to grow deeper in our faith than we ever have been. Uh, that we grow closer to God than we ever have been. That we grow stronger as a community than we ever have been. Um, make that our prayer. Um, make that our priority. And it sounds good to say that's what my priority is going to be. But I also want you to stop and think about the steps that it's going to take to get there. The work that it's going to take on our behalf. And so I want us to start off this year um, by looking at, at a passage of Scripture that, that talks to us about growing deeper and stronger and, and, and more effective uh, as disciples of Jesus. Um, I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions. Somebody asked me the first thing when they came in this morning. They said, well, what's your New, Re New Year's resolution? I will tell you I don't make New Year's resolutions um, because I fail every New Year. Uh, last year, I was going to get healthy. Y'all don't know this. I lost 50-something pounds between January and April. And I have gained all of it back, plus probably a few more. Um, and so I get to, once again, eat healthy. Uh, and I told my wife the other day, I said, I can't wait for the January where that does not have to be my goal. Uh, but, but, but we make resolutions. We, we make goals. And, and why do you think that we do that? And part of that is I think that inherent in us is this desire to change. We don't, I think it's in our DNA. I think it's part of, of what God puts inside of us. We just distort that to some degree. I had one author that I read that talked about New Year's resolutions. And, and, and he wrote and he said that, that, that it, is, it is part of who we are as just humanity that God kind of creates a reset button. That New Year's is just kind of that time that you, you stop and you think and you reflect and you change or you begin to think about changing. I spent time at New Year's Eve uh, just thinking about where my family has been in the last year. Uh, January 2016, we started. We had no idea that we would be living in Henry County. Uh, we were living in Cartersville. And going about our business, thinking this was where we were. Um, the Methodist system corrected that uh, and, 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 and let us know. But, but here's the thing. Y'all don't know some of this stuff. One is that um, we began to know that we were going to move. Lydia was out of town. She was on a school trip. We announced it to our church before we told Lydia uh, that we were moving. Um, we got the phone call. She was gone on a school trip, and so we had that announcement and did everything, and then we told everybody in the church 
please be quiet. Don't go on social media, do anything so we can get to tell her, so that we could tell her that we were moving. But, but we thought about that transition. We, we had to sell a house. We had to, to buy a house. Um, we had to do all of the things in between. Um, we had to find new schools. We had to lo- relocate Claire's mother and had to find a place for her to live. All this took place. Latham went back to college and ended up ultimately graduating in December. He got uh, his first church. All of this happened in 2016. Uh, And we stop and think about all of the things that, that occur. And then we also think about... As Claire's mother gets older, and, and, and if many of us are in that same life situation, um, every year we, we realize that we may not have many more with her. And the truth is, that's true for any of us, but it just kind of it resonates. I, I think part of New Year's, you kind of think about mortality a little bit. Maybe we think about those who we lost and, and those who are getting older. Um, I tell all of y'all that because I think that the passage that we're going to look at, 2 Peter, I think Peter, when he's, when he's writing this passage that we're going to look at, I think Peter is writing with this same sense of reflection and urgency. I think Peter is writing with this same awareness that we find ourselves on here on New Year's Day. So let's look. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look first just at verses 13 and 14. Peter writes this. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. See, he he, he understands that his time is short. We have this innate sense inside of us that we realize that we have a need to change. We have a need to grow. We have a need to, to be deeper or stronger. We, we, but then we also have this innate desire to be successful. It's the balance that we, that we, that we struggle with. I love to be successful and I love to win. We played board games. So Latham came home, his girlfriend came and stayed a couple of day was, days with us, and we, we played board games. And my family will tell you, as much as they love to play board games, they hate to play board games with me. Because I want to win. Now, they think I cheat. I don't cheat. I'm just better. Uh, but that's why they don't like to play with me because that's my attitude all the time. It's, you know, I like to, to, to be successful with Ruth. We wanted it. See, I think, God, I think God has placed this inside of us, but it's a, it's a desire to be fruitful, productive. We've distorted it. Success is good. This is the definition of success. It's a favorable termination of an endeavor. It's what Paul's talking about at the end of his life when he says, I fought the fight. I've run a good race. I'm telling you, in 13 short years of ministry, I have watched too many people start the race and choose not to finish the race. So we need to fight against the world's view of success and begin to adopt God's view. And success in any endeavor is going to require maturity. It's going to require growth. I mean, think about education. 
Lydia is in eighth grade. If I were to take Lydia and put her in college, how do you think she would do? And that has nothing to do with her academic ability. She would fail, right? Because she's not ready. You go to elementary school so that you can get ready for middle school. She's in middle school to prepare her for high school. She'll go to high school that will prepare her for either college or the world, wherever she may, whichever track she may take. College prepares you for a different life endeavor. All of those are steps in the process. If you're a college football fan, I doubt very seriously anybody from the University of Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or Washington, I doubt any of them were players that just walked on the field and the coach was like, oh, great, this is the first time you've ever played football. No, they played football as recreation league. They, play, they, they grew into the sport. It's a process that we understand. Look at what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now, you may think that this is is sexist, and I don't mean it that way. 2017 is the year that we need to spiritually man up or woman up if you want to to be equal. We 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 need to make the decision that we are going to grow in our faith we're going to take the steps that it requires. We're going to struggle. So, you know, here's the reality is some of you, you struggle in an area that I may have figured out. But I struggle in an area that you may have figured out. We all have some area of our life in our relationship with God that we struggle in. Every single one of us, one of the common things that we have is that we all have room to grow in our faith. In any area that we're stuck in is an area for growth. I tell you, nature explains it. Children, children are oral in nature, which what I mean by that is children, they want to put anything they can in their mouth, right? If you've ever had a child, grandchild, you've been around, you know They'll pick up anything they can to, to put it in their mouth. Um, they, they make their decisions based on appetite or feeling. So children, I don't want to go to school. I, I don't want to clean my room. I don't, I don't want to go to bed. But here's the truth. And the adults, we confess up to this to our children. There's days we don't want to go to work. We don't want to drive you to practice. We, 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 don't, we don't want to stay. I mean, we don't want to go to bed. We want to stay up and, and watch New Year. But you know what? I went to bed last night early because I preach on Sundays. See, children, it's just nature. Children make their decisions based on feeling and appetite. Adults base their decisions on applied knowledge. I know that if I stay up, I'm not going to be as effective at being able to communicate, and so I go to bed. I, I mean, I, I, could, I could eat a gallon of ice cream every night, and you may think that I do, um, but, but I don't. Why don't I? Because my wife won't let me. No, just... Uh, but no, because I know that, that that's not healthy for me. It's applied knowledge. It's the way that we base 
our decisions. It's, it's, it's a growth process. And the same is true in our spiritual life. Look at what Peter writes in 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Do you see the progress that this sentence, this, this passage, what's the basis of the progress? Faith. Everything builds upon faith. We want to jump to love. And it distorts everything. But what Peter is telling us is that the foundation, all of us sitting here today, the foundation for us is faith. And to faith, we, we begin to add Godliness and perseverance, all of self-control, all of these things that we add to faith that is a spiritual process for growth. And so what I want us to do today is just start thinking about faith. I want to challenge you today as we start 2017 to be as honest as you possibly can about where you are with God, where you are in your faith, and how, you com- how committed you are to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we understand this in all areas of our lives. I said that a minute ago about the analogy of education. We understand the process that it takes. We understand it in career. We, we move up the proverbial ladder. But for some reason, we've given ourselves permission to not do it in our spiritual walk. And we stay as infants. We stay as children, what, what pushes you to grow in your faith? Now, the Corinthian church is probably as close to the American church as we get in scriptures. It's a place of, of affluence. And look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who, are, who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. He's trying to give them meat. He's trying to to give them something to, to go stronger. But they're still infants. See, what happens is our affluence and our culture, just like they saw in the Corinthian church, our affluence and our culture leads to something, and it's called poverty of faith. For us to trust more, strive less. And so what I see in this is first is just when you see Peter's, first is your identity in faith. I mean, if you, were ha- if you had to say who you are, what would you say? I mean, what, what, we might would say that we are, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a spouse. Um, I might say that I'm a preacher. You might say that you're an accountant, that you might say that you're retired. You, you, how would you identify yourself? Peter gives us a great clue into this spiritual process because Peter defines himself as a servant. Look at what it says in 2 Peter 1. He could have said all of those things. He could have said he was a fisherman. He could have said that he was married. Um, He could have said all of these things, but look how he describes. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. 
That's his understanding of who he is. Now, he uses the word, in this passage, he uses the word servant. It's the word doulos. Look at the definition of doulos. One who is subservient to and entirely at the disposal of their master, a slave. So Peter sees himself as a doulos. He sees himself as somebody who is completely subservient to Jesus Christ. A doulos. Now, when he's saying doulos, he's not talking about in a spiritual sense. We forget sometimes that they understood the Jewish law. And so Peter sees himself as a doulos in consideration of the Jewish law. Now, what that means is that in the Jewish law, that if I were to own you, I would own you for six years. And... In the seventh year, I would be required by Jewish law to set you free. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Jewish law. Is that if I, if, if I were to own you and you came to me and you were unmarried and you married during your time that I owned you, that when I set you free, I set you free. I kept your spouse. If you had children... I would keep your children. If you came to me already married, then I would set you and your spouse both free. But, but, but if you got married or had children while, while you were in that six-year period, I kept your spouse and your children. So you understand what the Jewish law is. So it goes back to Exodus. Look at what it says in Exodus 21. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an owl. Then he will be his servant for life. The word servant in this passage is the exact same word that Peter uses, doulos. And so what Peter is saying is Peter is saying this. He understands that he is willingly placing himself as Jesus' servant for life. That his relationship with Jesus is going to supersede anything and everything. It becomes the most important relationship in his life. So the reason John the Baptist says that he has to decrease so that Jesus can increase. We have to learn to let go of some things that may be hard so that Christ can increase in us. We have to stop doing some things that may seem important, but so that we can grow in our faith. I am a doulos. And my relationship with Jesus becomes more important than anything else, Peter says. Is that how you would describe yourself? I think about my family told you reflective time i don't know if you, it's hard to be the spouse or the children of an itinerant methodist minister because i am very clear in my call they have to trust that i am clear in my call that we go wherever we're sent to go we change schools whenever we're told to change schools we we change houses whenever we're told to change houses. I can't change that call. But don't get me wrong, I can be employed, but it's a, it's a call that God has placed on our lives. 
But we do that, and I honestly think we do that together because we're servants. And we know that Jesus is more important than anything else, and then we have to trust for the rest. How do you understand your identity as a person of faith? Faith is not just some abstract concept. One of the things that I have talked about as a staff is I want us to cease using the word volunteer. Folks, we are not volunteers. Volunteer gives you the ability to do it when you feel comfortable. Volunteer gives you the ability to say, you know what, my schedule's okay, so I can do it. We are servants of Jesus Christ. We are doulos. How do you see yourself? How do you see your identity in Jesus Christ? We have to, as individuals, and we have to, as a church, begin to move and do what God is doing. We have to look around us, and we have to see where God is working, and we have to join God in the process. And if that makes us uncomfortable doing it, then we're called to do it because we're servants. We're doulos. It's not what we like. It's not what we feel because we don't act on a basis of feeling. We act on basis of applied knowledge. So if we understand ourselves as servant, then that becomes some implications for us. And again, I would challenge you because this is where you can stop and go, okay, I like the idea, the concept of servant, but am I actually really living it out? The second dimension that I would talk about is in the process, you begin to serve outside of your comfort zone. You get uncomfortable. Again, think about this analogy that I've been using, this academic analogy. Um, In high school, you'll take Algebra 1 so that you can get ready for Algebra 2, and Algebra 2 prepares you for geometry. Geometry prepares you for trigonometry. All of those push you. They push you to the next level. So what pushes you to get uncomfortable? What pushes you in your faith to to move into places that are uncomfortable for you? I think of different people in Scripture. Noah and Abraham are two that come to mind. Noah, um, when God told him to build the ark and to, to gather animals, can you imagine if that was the call that God had placed in your life? Or Abraham. Look at what Abraham, in Abraham, in Hebrews chapter 11, look at what Abraham's call is. It says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. See, notice the sequence. You don't receive and then go. That's what we want. You ever have people say, well, show me the billboard. Um, You know, if God would just show me what it is that he wants me to do. It doesn't work that way in Scripture. Look at what it says. Go, and then you'll later understand why. Then you can begin to see what it is that God's doing. That's how it works in faith. Put yourself, make your commitment today in 2017 to get uncomfortable. Whatever that ministry is that would make you uncomfortable, allow it to push you to grow in your faith. 
So we don't act on feelings because if we acted on feelings, we would never go. Right? If we acted on feelings, we would never go. But we understand we're a servant. And as a servant, we're called to do things that make us uncomfortable. And then the third, and maybe the most important, is to realize that you don't go in your own power. You go under the divine power, the divine resources. Look at what Second Peter says in chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Don't, don't sit here this morning and say, I can't do this. Don't sit here this morning and say, well, I don't have this. Don't hear, sit here this morning and say, but what, what, what if this? Listen. Second Peter, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God will never ask you to do something by faith that he won't do through you. You don't realize this, but you have the ability every week to see a miracle in front of you twice. The reality is you have two people who work on your staff that absolutely hate to be in front of people. Can I get an amen, Michael? Me, me and Michael are both terrified of public speaking. I don't know about Chad. So, we, we, but... But think about that. And, and people have asked me before when I, I mean, I'm literally nauseous on Sunday mornings. People will say, well, do you pray for God to take that away? And I have learned to stop praying for God to take that nauseousness away because every Sunday when I leave, I am reminded of what an amazing, powerful God that we serve who is able to give me the grace for the moment. And I watch Michael now when I see him up here, and I know what he's thinking and going through his mind, and I'm like, oh, man, what an awesome God. Don't sit here and say, I can't do something. Remind yourself that you serve a God with divine resources and divine power who can accomplish through you something that you cannot see in yourself. It's not by our power. It's by the Spirit of God. Ask yourself, 2017, what's your relationship with God all about? Right now, is your relationship vital? Is your relationship growing? Is your relationship stagnant? Stunted? Is your relationship comfortable? If it, is all of the ministry, all the things that you're doing and involve yourself in in the life of the church, it all things that are just really comfortable to you? Is it uncomfortable? And then push yourself to say, what are you going to do to grow in your faith in 2017? How committed are you going to be to that. And here's the thing. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to figure out what the end of 2017 is going to look like. Because I can assure you that the last 12 months I could not have pictured that. 
just make the commitment this morning to trust God with every aspect of your life. Don't hold anything back. I invite you this morning, if you would, close your eyes. And I just want you to to be honest with God this morning where you are. If the whole idea of being a servant scares you, just tell God you're scared. Make your prayer, God, help me to be willing to be a servant. If you something that God is asking you to let go of, to truly make him the most important thing in your life. Maybe that's your child. Maybe that's your grandchild. Maybe that's your career. Trust God this morning. If you sit here, beginning 2017 with uncertainty because of health, Trust God this morning. Most gracious God, we come to you as your church, as your body. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us. Help us to grow. Help us to grow deeper and stronger, and more in love with you. Help us to be servants, willing to be uncomfortable. Wherever you're working, help us to have a passion to move and reach the people that you're calling us to reach. Help us to to depend on your power and your resources, letting go of our own power and might. So that we can be aware of the miracles around us. That we can be aware of your power in our own lives and through our own lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were here with us on Christmas Day, we, we had the ability to end our year with communion. And we have the ability in 2017 to start our year with communion. Um, the truth is, every single one of us, every single one of us, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter how long we've been in the church, we all have areas in our life that we can grow in our relationship with God. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible tells us that in our weakness, we see God being made strong. And so I invite you this morning, don't let the opportunity slip you by. 
2017. This is the first day of a new year. And so I invite you that as you receive communion today, acknowledge to God. Part of the communion is acknowledging where we failed and a desire to, to, to be different, a desire to grow. And so I invite you that as you receive and, and you have time, you can kneel at the altar, you can go back and pray in your seat, wherever you feel comfortable. Um, use this as an opportunity to acknowledge where you are with God, where you haven't or you're struggling in your faith in 2016 and what you desire in 2017. And allow God to meet you in that moment. Pour his grace into you. Pour his spirit into you. Strengthen you. Empower you for the coming year so that we truly can make this the greatest year yet. Amen.